This is the second of a two-episode recording of Hero and Leander by Christopher Marlowe, read by Michael Elliott. It covers the second of the poem's two parts, or sestiads. The text is from the Oxford University Press edition of the Collected Poems, 2006, edited by Patrick Cheney and Brian J. Stryer. The Argument of the Second Sestiad Hero of love takes deeper sense, and doth her love more recompense. Their first night's meeting, where sweet kisses are the only crowns of both their blisses. He swims to Abydos and returns. Cold Neptune, with his beauty, burns, whose suit he shuns, and doth aspire hero's fair tower and his desire. By this, sad hero with love unacquainted, viewing Leander's face, fell down and fainted. He kissed her and breathed life into her lips, wherewith, as one displeased, away she trips. Yet, as she went, full often looked behind, and many poor excuses did she find to linger by the way. And once she stayed and would have turned again, but was afraid, in offering parley to be counted light. So, on she goes, and in her idle flight her painted fan of curled plumes let fall, thinking to train Leander therewithal. He, being a novice, knew not what she meant, but stayed, and after her a letter sent which joyful hero answered in such sort as he had hoped to scale the beauteous fort wherein the liberal graces locked their wealth. And therefore to her tower he got by stealth. Wide open stood the door, he need not climb, and she herself before the pointed time had spread the board with roses strewed the room, and oft looked out and mused he did not come. At last... He came. Oh, who can tell the greeting these greedy lovers had at their first meeting? He asked, she gave, and nothing was denied. Both to each other quickly were affied. Look how their hands, so were their hearts united, and what he did, she willingly requited. Sweet are the kisses, the embracements sweet, when like desires and affections meet, for from the earth to heaven is Cupid raised, where fancy is in equal balanced paised. Yet she, this rashness, suddenly repented, and turned aside, and to herself lamented, as if her name and honour had been wronged by being possessed of him for whom she longed. Ay, and she wished, albeit not from her heart, that he would leave her turret and depart. The mirthful god of amorous pleasure smiled to see how he this captive nymph beguiled, for hitherto he did but fan the fire, and kept it down, that it might mount the higher. Now waxed she jealous, lest his love abated, fearing her own thoughts made her to be hated. Therefore unto him hastily she goes, and light, like light Salmachus her body throws upon his bosom, where with yielding eyes she offers up herself a sacrifice to slake his anger, if he were displeased. 
Oh, what god would not therewith be appeased? Like Aesop's cock, this jewel he enjoyed, and as a brother with his sister toyed, supposing nothing else was to be done, now he her favour and good will had won. But know you not that creatures wanting sense by nature have a mutual appetence, and wanting organs to advance a step moved by love's force, unto each other leap. Much more in subjects having intellect some hidden influence breeds like effect, albeit Leander, rude in love and raw, long dallying with hero, nothing saw that might delight him more, yet he suspected some amorous rites or other were neglected. Therefore unto his body hers he clung. She, fearing on the rushes to be flung, strived with redoubled strength. The more she strived, the more a gentle, pleasing heat revived, which taught him all that elder lovers know. And now the same gan so to scorch and glow, as in plain terms, yet cunningly, he craved it. Love always makes those eloquent that have it. She, with a kind of granting, put him by it, and ever as he thought himself most nigh it, like to the tree of Tantalus she fled, and, seeming lavished, saved her maidenhead. Ne'er king more sought to keep his diadem than hero this inestimable gem. Above our life we love a steadfast friend, yet when a token of great worth we send, we often kiss it, often look thereon, and stay the messenger that would be gone. No marvel, then, though Hera would not yield so soon to part from that she dearly held. Jewels being lost are found again, this never. Tis lost but once, and once lost. Lost forever. Now had the morn espied her lover's steeds, whereat she starts, puts on her purple weeds, and red for anger that he stayed so long, all headlong throws herself the clouds among. And now Leander, fearing to be missed, embraced her suddenly, took leave, and kissed. Long was he taking leave, and loath to go, and kissed again, as lovers used to do. Sad hero wrung him by the hand, and wept, saying, Let your vows and promises be kept. Then, standing at the door, she turned about, as loath to see Leander going out. And now the sun, that through the horizon peeps, as pitying these lovers downward creeps, so that in the silence of the cloudy night, though it was morning, did he take his flight. But what the secret trusty knight concealed, Leander's amorous habit soon revealed. With Cupid's myrtle was his bonnet crowned, about his arms the purple ribbon wound, wherewith she wreathed her largely spreading hair. Nor could the youth abstain, but he must wear the sacred ring, wherewith she was endowed when first religious chastity she vowed, which made his love through Sestos to be known, and thence unto Abydos sooner blown than he could sail, for incorporeal fame, whose weight consists in nothing but her name, is swifter than the wind, whose tardy plumes are reeking water and dull earthly fumes. 
Home, when he came, he seemed not to be there, but like exiled air thrust from his sphere set in a foreign place, and straight from thence, Alcides-like by mighty violence, he would have chased away the swelling mane that him from her unjustly did detain. Like as the sun in a diameter fires and inflames objects removed far and heateth kindly, shining laterally, so beauty sweetly quickens when tis nigh, but being separated and removed, burns where it cherished, murders where it loved. Therefore, even as an index to a book, so to his mind was young Leander's look. Oh, none but gods have power their love to hide. Affection by the countenance is descried. The light of hidden fire itself discovers, and love that is concealed betrays poor lovers. His secret flame apparently was seen. Leander's father knew where he had been, and for the same mildly rebuked his son, thinking to quench the sparkles new begun. But love resisted once grows passionate, and nothing more than counsel lovers hate. For as a hot, proud horse highly disdains to have his head controlled, but breaks the reins, spits forth the wringled bit, and with his hooves checks the submissive ground, so that he loves, the more he is restrained, the worse he fares. What is it now but mad Leander dares? Oh, hero, hero, thus he cried full oft, and then he got him to a rock, a loft, where, having spied her tower, long stared he on't, and prayed the narrow toiling Hellespont to part in twain, that he might come and go, but still the rising billows answered, No. With that, he stripped him to the ivory skin, and crying, Love, I come, leapt lively in. Whereat the sapphire-visaged god grew proud, and made his capering triton sound aloud, imagining that Ganymede, displeased, had left the heavens. Therefore on him he seized. Leander strived, the waves about him wound and pulled him to the bottom, where the ground was strewed with pearl, and in low coral groves sweet-singing mermaids sported with their loves on heaps of heavy gold, and took great pleasure to spurn in careless sort the shipwrack treasure. For here the stately azure palace stood where kingly Neptune and his train abode. The lusty god embraced him, called him love, and swore he never should return to Jove. Uh, but when he knew it was not Ganymede, for underwater he was almost dead, he heaved him up, and looking on his face, beat down the bold waves with his triple mace, which mounted up, intending to have kissed him, and fell in drops like tears because they missed him. Leander, being up, began to swim, and looking back, saw Neptune follow him, whereat aghast the poor soul gan to cry, Oh, let me visit Hero ere I die. The god put Hella's bracelet on his arm, and swore the sea should never do him harm. 
He clapped his plump cheeks with his tresses played, and smiling wantonly, his love berayed. He watched his arms, and as they opened wide at every stroke, Betwixt them would he slide and steal a kiss, and then run out and dance, and as he turned, cast many a lustful glance, and threw him gaudy toys to please his eye, and dive into the water, and there pry upon his breast, his thighs, and every limb, and up again, and close beside him swim, and talk of love." Leander made reply, "'You are deceived. I am no woman, I.' Thereat smiled Neptune, and then told a tale, how that a shepherd sitting in a vale played with a boy so fair and kind, as for his love both earth and heaven pined, that of the cooling river durst not drink, lest water-nymphs should pull him from the brink. And when he sported in the fragrant lawns, goat-footed satyrs and upstaring fawns would steal him thence. Ere half this tale was done, I me, Leander cried, the enamoured sun that now should shine on Thetis's glassy bower descends upon my radiant hero's tower. Oh, that these tardy arms of mine were wings! And as he spake, upon the waves he springs. Neptune was angry that he gave no ear, and in his heart revenging malice bare, he flung at him his mace. But as it went, he called it in, for love made him repent. The mace returning back, his own hand hit, as meaning to be venged for darting it. When this fresh bleeding wound Leander viewed, his color went and came, as if he rued the, the grief which Neptune felt. In gentle breasts, relenting thoughts, remorse, and pity rests, and who have hard hearts and obdurate minds, but vicious, hair-brained, and illiterate hinds. The god, seeing him with pity to be moved, thereon concluded that he was beloved. Love is too full of faith, too credulous with folly and false hope deluding us. Wherefore Leander's fancy, to surprise, to the rich ocean for gifts he flies. Tis wisdom to give much, a gift prevails when deep persuading oratory fails. By this Leander, being near the land, cast down his weary feet, and felt the sand. Breathless, albeit he were, he rested not till to the solitary tower he got, and knocked and called, at which celestial noise the longing heart of hero much more joys than nymphs and shepherds when the timbrel rings, or crooked dolphin when the sailor sings. She stayed not for her robes, but straight arose, and drunk with gladness to the door she goes, where, seeing a naked man, she screeched for fear. Such sights as this to tender maids are rare, and ran into the dark herself to hide. Rich jewels in the dark are soonest spied. Unto her was he led, or rather drawn, by those white limbs which sparkled through the lawn. The nearer that he came, the more she fled, and seeking refuge, slipped into her bed, whereon Leander sitting thus began, though numbing cold, all feeble, faint, and wan. 
If not for love, yet love for pity's sake me in thy bed and maiden, maiden bosom take, at least vouchsafe these arms some little room, who, hoping to embrace thee, cheerly swum. This head was beat with many a churlish billow, and therefore let it rest upon thy pillow. Herewith affrighted hero shrunk away, and in her lukewarm place Leander lay, whose lively heat, like fire from heaven fat, would animate gross clay, and higher set the drooping thoughts of base declining souls than dreary Mars, carousing nectar bowls. His hands he cast upon her like a snare. She, overcome with shame and sallow fear, like chaste Diana when Actaeon spied her, being suddenly betrayed, dived down to hide her. And as her silver body downward went with both her hands, she made the bed a tent, and in her own mind thought herself secure, or cast with dim and darksome coverture, and now she lets him whisper in her ear, flatter, entreat, promise, protest, and swear, yet ever as he greedily essayed to touch those dainties, she the harpy played, and every limb did as a soldier stout defend the fort and keep the foeman out. For though the rising ivory mount he scaled, which is with azure circling lines impaled, much like a globe, a globe may I term this, by which love sails to regions full of bliss, yet there with Sisyphus he toiled in vain, till gentle parley did the truce obtain. Wherein Leander on her quivering breast, breathless, spoke something, and sighed out the rest, which so prevailed as he with small ado enclosed her in his arms, and kissed her too, and every kiss to her was as a charm that to Leander as a fresh alarm, so that the truce was broke, and she, alas, poor silly maiden, at his mercy was. Love is not full of pity, as men say, but deaf and cruel where he means to pray. Even as a bird, which in our hands we wring, forth plungeth and off flutters with her wing, she, trembling, strove. This strife of hers, like that which made the world, Another world begat of unknown joy. Treason was in her thought, and cunningly to yield herself she sought. Seeming not one, yet one she was at length. In such wars women use but half their strength. Leander now, like Theban Hercules, entered the orchard of the Hesperides, whose fruit none rightly can describe but he that pulls or shakes it from the golden tree. And now she wished this night were never done, and sighed to think upon the approaching sun, for much it grieved her that the bright daylight should know the pleasure of this blessed night and them like Mars and Erisene displayed, both in each other's arms, chained as they laid. Again she knew not how to frame her look or speak to him, who in a moment took that which so long, so charily she kept, and fain by stealth away she would have crept, and to some corner secretly have gone, leaving Leander in the bed alone, 
But as her naked feet were whipping out, he on the sudden clinged her so about that mermaid-like unto the floor she slid. One half appeared, the other half was hid. Thus near the bed she blushing stood upright, and from her countenance behold ye might a kind of twilight break went, which through the hair as from an orient cloud glimpse here and there. And round about the chamber this false morn brought forth the day before the day was born. So Hero's ruddy cheek Hero betrayed, and her all naked to his sight displayed, whence his admiring eyes more pleasure took than dis on heaps of gold fixing his look. By this Apollo's golden harp began to sound forth music to the ocean, which watchful Hesperus no sooner heard, but he the day's bright-bearing car prepared, and ran before as harbinger of light, and with his flaring beams mocked ugly night, till she, o'ercome with anguish, shame, and rage, danged down to hell her loathsome carriage.'